Okay, we are starting James chapter 3, and actually last week we covered verse 1. And now let's move on to uh, verse 2 and onward in James chapter 3. So James chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in, any way, in many ways. <clears throat> if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless, evil, and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Okay, so in verse 2 he defines what he's going to be talking about. He says, originally, uh, initially he says, for we all stumble in many ways. That's such an encouragement. You know, this is why I love the Scriptures, because when I read the Scriptures, I don't read about a bunch of perfect people. I read about people that have all sorts of problems, really varied problems, and lots and lots of them. And so it's something that I can relate to. And he says, we all stumble. And that James is saying, we all stumble, he's making himself part of this group. He says, we all stumble in many ways. So if you, if you ever feel like really beating yourself up because you've really done wrong, just remember, you're not alone. He says, we all stumble in many ways. This is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, one of the apostles, the brother, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. And he says, we all stumble in many ways. He says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So now he gets specific. He says, we all stumble. He says, we, we all stumble in many ways. So there's many ways in which we stumble. But there's one in particular that... Is, is really hard to get hold of, and that's the stumbling with the tongue in the things that we say. He says, if you can get hold of the tongue, you probably have control of all the other areas as well. He says that, that we, can, we can use this very small bit to control a very large animal, a horse. He says that you can use a very small rudder controls a big ship. And, and, you know, all these winds come and push this ship, but it's really a small rudder that's going to control its direction. He says, our tongue is exactly the same way. Our tongue will control the direction of our life. 
is what he's saying. And in verse 5, he says, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. So in other words, the tongue is a small part of the body, can control so much, and it boasts of so, so much. So, so much happens because of the tongue. And then he talks about the negative parts again. He says that in, in, the, other, in the second half of verse 5, See how a forest is set aflame from such a small fire. The tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. Whoa! I mean, that's a lot for that little tongue. He says the tongue sets on fire the course of our life. Think about that. That so much of what is going to happen in our lives is going to happen because of the words that we say. And Jesus talked about the tongue, and he related the tongue not just to an independent entity, but turn to, to Matthew chapter 12. There's several verses in Matthew chapter 12 that we're going to look at today. Matthew chapter 12. And Jesus relates the tongue not to an independent entity, but he says, what comes out of a man's mouth comes from his heart. So the tongue is the expression of what's in the heart. Matthew 12:34 says, "You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart." So Jesus says in Matthew 12:34, "The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart." So that which fills the heart comes out through the tongue, through our mouth. So Jesus connects this. He says it's not the tongue as an independent entity, it's what's in the heart. Then he says in verse 35 of Matthew 12, The good man brings out of his good treasure that what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure that which is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for, in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I mean, Jesus talks about this. James says that it can set on fire the course of our life. Jesus said, by our words we shall be justified, and by our words that we shall be condemned. That's why it talks about in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if we confess with our mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. Uh, because there's a connection of what's in the heart with what comes out. And as we're willing to confess that Jesus is Lord, there's something in there that says Jesus is Lord. There's a connection with what's in the heart. Jesus equates and, and relates to what's in the heart with what what comes out of the mouth. And he says in verse 36, but I tell you, every careless word that people speak, they will give an account for in the day of judgment. It is so good, I think, that believers in Christ don't undergo the great white throne judgment. That's already been dealt for with us. Jesus Christ has already gotten us past that. 
But still, we will be judged according to our acts. We will be judged, our, our, our motives will be judged, our works will be judged, and even our words will be judged. Every careless word we render account for in the day of judgment. I am so thankful for the blood of Jesus. So thankful for the blood of Jesus. One would think that you would get to a certain age and you wouldn't have to deal with that problem anymore. I haven't hit that age yet. And, and I'm not sure that I have, have uh, um, you know, come very far in the sense that sometimes I think I've come far and then all of a sudden I blow it. And I'm so thankful that James says we stumble in many ways. But he says, by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. There is a like passage to this in Proverbs 18.21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those that love it shall eat its fruit. So much is connected with what we say. Life and death. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. With our tongue we confess Jesus is Lord and we get eternal life because it's connected when it's connected with the heart. With our tongue, it says in James, it said that we can bless our God and Father and then we curse men that are made in the image of God. He says, it ought not to be this way. So if we look, what is the state then? Well, the state of man, my state, is a mess. We see from the Scriptures that the heart and the tongue are closely connected. We speak out of that, Jesus says, which fills the heart. The heart and the tongue are closely connected. And so when we say things, where did that come from? Oh, it came from my heart. And that we will render account for it. And the death and life. And it says it sets on fire the course of our life. So small an entity will control so much in our lives. If we would get hold of the fact that so much in my life will be set according to the words that I speak. The outcome is it can destroy our lives, it can bring condemnation, and it brings things that we need to justify. So what's the solution? You know, we've got this problem. What's the solution? Look in Psalm 141. Psalm 141. And this is a beautiful prayer to pray, and I have prayed this prayer as I've read this. Psalm 141, verse 3. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So look what the psalmist is doing. He is praying, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. It is not wrong to pray and to say, God, help me. God, I say things I ought not to say. God, help me. Father, I pray that when I'm going to say something that is, that is mean and hard and cruel, that you just set a guard 
over the door of my lips. Guard my mouth, Lord. Let there be something over my mouth where it stops me for a moment. And I remember, I remember that I have this problem. That I would watch what I say. It is not wrong to pray very specifically. In James chapter 4, we'll see later on, it talks about how you do not receive because you do not ask. So many times in life, we don't receive because we simply don't ask. If we ask, we'll receive. This is specifically a prayer that it gives us. Lord, watch over my lips. Watch over what I say. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 11. Remember that the the heart and the tongue are closely related. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. The more we get the word of God in our hearts, the more we have control over our tongues. The closer we have over the Word of God in our hearts, the closer we have this in our hearts, this is so needed. It is so needed because what happens is, as the Word of God, as we read it, it is like a mirror and it reflects so much. We say, oh, is this how I am? Oh, is this how I am? And as we get this Word into our hearts, It keeps us from sinning against God. Jesus said, that which comes out of your mouth is from your heart. So set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. And Lord, get a hold of my heart. Get a hold of my heart. I need your strength over my heart. So that is the state. The state is a mess. The solution is that we need to get control of our tongue, which comes by prayer, and over our heart which comes by the Word of God filling it. We get control over the tongue by prayer, and we get control over the heart by filling it with the Word of God. Then what I want to say is, don't give up. So you say, well, I prayed that prayer, and I still said something I regret. Well, don't give up. Keep working at it. Back in Matthew 12, verse 31, it says, Any sin or blasphemy, any sin or blasphemy will be forgiven. Look in Matthew 12:21. So in this same chapter where he was talking about the tongue, I'm sorry, 12:31, Matthew 12:31. Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people. But blasphemy against the spirit shall not be forgiven. Now this blasphemy against the spirit, we've dealt with it before in this class. This is not something that you and I can even commit anymore. This was for that generation. That's spelled out in Matthew 25. But there were three things that the the Jews themselves in that day were teaching. Three things. And they said that only Messiah could do these three things. And And the three were to heal a man that was born blind... To make a dumb man who had a, a, uh, a, so a man who could not speak, who had a demon, to be able to cast the demon out of a man who could not speak. And that's because they felt that if he can't speak, you couldn't identify who he was, and therefore he couldn't be cast out. And the third one was to heal a leper, because since the law was complete, 
since the time the law was complete, never had a Jew been healed of leprosy. Naaman had been healed of leprosy, but he was not a Jew. Miriam had been healed of leprosy, but that was prior to the completion of the law. And so even the, that there are chapters in the Bible that deal with what should be done when a leper is healed and never had a leper been healed. So the Jews were teaching that only Messiah would heal a leper. And that's why when Jesus healed the lepers, it brought up about this investigation to see, could this guy be the Messiah? And right after that, uh, um, so then after Jesus healed the man who was, who was uh, been born blind, again the investigation came. And here in this portion, he actually healed, uh, uh, he cast out a demon from a man who was, who was unable to speak, a dumb man. And it, and it talks about this. And because of this, Rather than the Pharisees saying, oh yes, the Messiah has done, this man has done it, you know, people went away saying, could this indeed be the Messiah? Because this is what they were taught, and the Pharisees said, well, in his case, he cast it out because he's ruler of the demons. And that's when he proclaimed this. But he says, in reference to anything else, or anything that you and I could ever commit, he says, anything, any blasphemy, any sin shall be forgiven. So, when it comes to getting hold of our unruly tongue, remember, do not give up. It is a lifelong experience of walking with God. This little tongue can do so much. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it shall eat its fruit. Either its fruit for death or its fruit for life. Now let me get to a, a, an even more practical thing that I often talk about with students. I, say, I tell them that how you speak to people will control so much about how your careers are going to go. How you speak to people, how you address them. So, um, so for example, when I, when I meet a believer and they're totally unable to talk to me, to just look at me and speak, I pull them aside. So this is a student and I try to give them some instruction. I say, you know, your inability to communicate is going to hurt your career. You say, oh, that's cruel. No, it's very kind of me. You know the easiest thing for me to do is to say nothing. You say, oh, well, you know, not my kid. Why should I worry about it? That's the easiest thing to do, is to do nothing to help other people, to, to do nothing to, to work with them. And so I pull them aside look, and I say, this inability for you to speak is going to hurt your career. You need to learn how to speak to people. You need to learn that you can't just look down and shuffle anymore and mumble. Time has passed for that. You're going to be looking for jobs. You're going to be looking to build your career. Professors will view you by the way you speak to them. And if you just come in their office and mumble, you're not going to get a very good recommendation letter, if get a letter at all. It is very important how you speak, how you address them, how you interact. And I said, you can't just mumble like this. You've got to look at me and speak to me. Let's try it now. Look at me and talk to me. And I get that explicit with them. This is a good thing to do. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And people will view us by the things we say. Are we going to say kind and gracious things? So what I tell students when they're going out on job interviews is that you get your seminar down well. So when people have a PhD and they're going out on job interviews, they're usually asked to give a seminar. 
And, and I said, that is so important that you learn how to communicate in that seminar, that you get your slides looking good and that you speak properly. And that as you speak, you don't speak in a condescending manner like, I know this. Too bad you guys don't. And it's a good thing that I'm here to teach you. No, you, you speak to them and learning how to answer questions. So when someone asks a question, you'll say, that's a stupid question. <laughs> Didn't I just answer that? What, was I not speaking loud enough? No, just learning how to answer the question. So you answer the question and that even if they've asked you something you don't know, just learning how to respond. Just say, you know, that's an interesting question. I've not thought of that before. I've not thought of that. Let me think about that a little bit more, <clears throat> and then maybe I'll be able to answer that. You look at them, and you nod your head as you say that. And you know what happens? They smile, and they start nodding with you. And you've immediately got a friend. So much happens when you speak like this. Just a little expression. You nod your head. You smile. And if some, sometimes people will ask a question and you'll give them an answer and they're still uncomfortable. And I turn to them and I say, you're still not comfortable. Would you like me to word this a little bit differently? So let, me, let me try it again. Let me try it again. I say, is that a little bit better? And then you've got a friend. You don't want them to leave upset with you. You want them to view you as a friend. All of this comes by the words that we speak and then how we speak with our eyes, how we communicate. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. It can destroy or open a life. And so I say when you go on a seminar... When you go for a job interview, I tell my graduate students, if you don't like me, don't tell them that. Don't speak anything negative when you're on the job interview. Because if you're speaking negatively about me, or about Rice, or about graduate school, and bemoaning all the, the, the hardships in life, they don't want you. People do not want people working with them who come to work every day dragging their lunchbox behind them and saying how miserable life is. People don't want to work with folks like that. You come in, you smile, and when they start talking to you about the work they do, you smile, you look at their eyes, you nod, and you say, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Even, as a, even if you don't find it interesting, you smile and you acknowledge that you hear them and you smile along with them. The words that we speak will control so much of our lives. How we respond. How we respond. So much is a test in life. Now, I was reading in, in Charles Spurgeon's book on lectures to my students where he's teaching students. So he has this Bible college and he's teaching students. And he says how, how this one student, this one old professor was supposed to interview a student to see if he would be, be uh, qualified to enter the, the school that he had on biblical studies and on becoming uh, pastors, becoming preachers. <clears throat> so what this old guy did is he told this candidate, he said, I want you to show up at my house at noontime. And just wait there and I'll be there. 
show up there, and if I'm not there exactly at noon, just wait there and I'll come. So the candidate went to the house, knocked on the door. There was nobody there. And so he said, well, you know, I was told to wait. So he waited. He waited till 1.30 before the professor showed up. Now, this was all a test. So, you know, most guys would be fuming. You know, just, you know what you've done to my time? Who do you think you are? No, but this kid was just an innocent kid, and the guy walked in, and he sat down and smiled at the young man, and the young man smiled back. And the young man made not a complaint, said nothing negative, not a complaint. And the old professor looked at him and said, spell cat. The young man said, C-A-T. He said, you're admitted. (laughs) You see, the test had already been done. He wanted to see the quality of the man, of the young man. The academic part was without question. That you can read about on paper. He wanted to learn something about the quality of the young man. So much of the test is there. You know, what little things we say. Now, what I have learned the hard way is that today, the keyboard for my email is an extension of my tongue, which is an extension of my heart. It's very different than in the old days when I used to write handwritten letters. You know, where you have time to think about this thing. You actually put it in an envelope and you lick it and you leave it there and then you all, sure, I want to mail that. I mean, email is just so quick. It is just like an extension of our tongue. And I have gotten into such trouble by sending out haphazardly Emails as they come the stream of consciousness as my thoughts. And it's just an extension of my heart. And so much in our life is learning to restrain this heart by saying, God, take control of this thing. And how we will respond to people, how we will act with them. And, and even just recently, this, there was a response from you know, an email gotten was, was gotten from a particular guy and, and I responded very kindly back, very graciously. And I said, you know, I bet you, you've experienced such things too in your life. This is a, and, and I copied the chair of the department because it was rising up to a department level thing. And the chair of my department got with me. He says, you know, when I read your email, I thought, boy, you are good. You know, because, but I, I said, no, no, I worked very hard at that email. But it sounded like I was... But you see what I mean? It's just an extension of our heart and how we respond to people, how we act. And I've learned that when I'm typing an email and my ears start burning, I had better just send that email to myself. Just send it to myself and I'll read it the next day. And if the next day I still concur with that, then okay, I can send it. But sure enough, whenever I do that and I remember to send it to myself rather than... You know, when you hit, when you hit the, the send button hard, you know there's some problem there. You know what I mean? So all you've got to do is just push it. You know, but when you slam the thing down, you, know, you hit the mouse really hard, there's a problem there. And then when I send it to I read this thing and after a day, I'm like, oh no. How could I have thought of sending that message? I mean, that would have been a disaster. 
And then what rises up, you know, the response to it is just, you know, notched up. And you go up and up and up. These are the practical things about the tongue. And he says, he says over in James, he says that, that uh, <clears throat> uh, in verse 6 of chapter 3, the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. So the the tongue can set on fire the course of our life. How we speak, how we act in these sort of settings, how we respond, will set the pattern for your life. You work so hard going through school, and I see it all the time. People work so hard. I see people work so hard, go through school, get PhDs, get postdocs, get faculty positions, all the work, and then they blow it. They blow it just because they've never learned how to respond to people. You say, oh, well, they, they should have learned by then. One would have hoped so. But all of that work, all of that is lost because of the way they respond to people, the way they act. And then what happens is, you know, when it comes up to vote for tenure, I don't want this guy around. I don't give him tenure. I hate this guy. I don't want him around for the rest of his life here. It gets me sick. Just cut him off. That's a shame. It's a shame. And, you know, they can always get you on collegiality. You know, yeah, the research is good, but he's not collegial. That's part of the requirement. You've got to be able to work with people. It affects the jobs we get. It affects the jobs we keep. When there's layoffs, I'll tell you, the people who never get laid off are people who are always coming upbeat and jolly and encouraging others. Why? Because people want them around. They're encouraging others. They're doing their jobs. They're excited about things. And when people are mouthing off and start talking about, oh, it's miserable. You know, I hate this dean. This dean, man. I mean, this university would be great without administrators, you know. And chair of the department, I mean. What happens is, is, is that that's just infection that starts spreading. With the tongue, you can immediately change that situation. You can have a group of people that's speaking negatively about something, and I'll say, you know, that's interesting. Rice is the best employer that I have ever had. It stops the whole conversation. So I'm not kidding you. I've worked at a number of universities. Rice is the best employer. It's just tough economic times all the way around. I mean, when they have cutbacks, I mean, what else are you going to do? You're cutting back in your home, aren't you? You've got to cut back on stuff. But overall, it's a whole lot better than the state universities. And what does this administrator do? You know, and it's all of a sudden, you see now life is in the power of the tongue. You take a whole situation that was just going straight down to hell and you just lift the thing up. Just with a few sentences, you just turn this whole conversation. And you know what happens? Those people want to be around you because you build them up. This is what will happen in your life if you, when you start working with people, when you start working with groups of people to learn how to speak to them. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It is there. It can set on fire the course of our life. You say a few words. You say a few words to people. And based on those few words that are negative words, that are mean words, that are harsh words, it's like, boom, you know, they'll fixate on that. You'll remember that for a long time. 
speak to your boss graciously. Remember, they're your boss. There's going to be a lot of decisions that are going to come down the line. They're going to be affected by the words that you've said to them. Address your professors nicely and rightly. They will remember that. You want to go, you want to make an impression on them? Dress nicely when you happen to go to their office. And look at them and stand there and speak very, very respectfully. They will remember you. Why? Because now all of a sudden you're different. You know, how do they remember you in the midst of all these? And then you ask them to write a letter two years later. They will remember you. Oh yeah, this person, very respectful. They were in my office, they would ask intelligent questions, always dress well and respectful. This means something. It means something. These impressions we give. What we say, how we speak to people, how we address them. He's giving us a lot of the negative side. He says it can set on fire the course of your life. But it can also bring life as you can learn to speak the proper word. We do this with our children. You know, my poor parents never knew any of this. But now, you know, we're taught this in the churches. And I'm so glad I was taught all this so that my, when my kids were coming along, I'd always try to build them up. Build them up. Build them up. So that they'd grow up feeling something good about themselves. You know, since my, my boy was a little, little boy, I'd say, you are a great man of God. You are a great man of God. I'd say, come on, man of God. You know, I want them to realize that I think the world of them. You build them up. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. As opposed to, you little idiot. You little dummy. You know, we know that now because we've been so indoctrinated with that in the church. And it's good that we build people up. It's the same way. As you get older, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You come with an encouraging word. You come with an encouraging word. And the people you work with in your community, your life will be different. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the Scriptures, for the Word of God that teaches us. Father, I pray for these students that You would cause them to pray this prayer that they'd have a guard over their mouth and a watch over their lips and that they'd fill their, their, their hearts with the Word of God so that You would get a hold of even the source of all this. And Father, I pray that even through this, You would cause them to speak rightly, to work rightly, to speak properly, and that it would affect their lives for good. Father, get a hold of their lives, get a hold of their tongues, I pray, so that it doesn't set on fire the course of their life, but Father, that it makes a great advance in their lives because of the words that they speak. And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.